I think what it comes down to, especially with those early customers, is you need to find one pain, right? So in any kind of sale, uh, I, I would say technology sales specifically, you're looking for pain that you can help resolve. So hi, everyone. So today we're joined by phenomenal guest, Mark Goldberger. So this episode is something that I've been meaning to schedule with Mark for a while now, and we finally got it up and running. So my first question, Mark, is so firstly, thanks for coming on the podcast today and really do appreciate you taking the time to come on the show. Yeah, thanks for having me. I'm, I'm glad we were able to finally schedule this and uh, excited to chat with you today. For sure. So firstly, I wanted to start off with, so I was watching your interview with Harry Stebbings, who's, as you know, he's a phenomenal podcaster in the VC space, somebody that I greatly look look up to. So in a podcast with Harry Stebbings, you mentioned that you had bootstrapped a wine business. So I'm curious as to your thoughts on not finding PMF. Like, so how was it like the challenge of trying to find PMF and not finding it? Like, what was those like learnings or like mistakes that you had? while trying to do that? Yeah. So when I started up my, uh, it was a wine and technology business called Vinformative uh, back in uh, around 2009. So it was during the great financial crisis. I had uh, just graduated with my MBA uh, from Brandeis uh, International Business School. And I actually wanted to become a a management consultant, but I didn't think it was a a great time to leave a a good paying job as a wine distributor that I had uh, for an unpaid internship somewhere. So I actually had this idea to start up my own business. And I got together with a with a uh, an engineer friend of mine, uh, and he was the CTO co-founder, and and I had this uh, this idea to really solve for the pain uh, that I saw in the distributor that I had worked for at the time back in Massachusetts. And and what's interesting is uh, having bootstrapped that that business from you know an initial idea that I had in my head to an actual product that we had customers paying for was an incredible experience. Uh, bootstrapping it, to get to your to your question, probably not the best idea, but this was my first foray into working in technology, uh, certainly my first foray uh, as an entrepreneur. And and so navigating that space was was something that was new to me. And if I if I had the network that I have now, or uh, or the knowledge that I have now, um, I probably would have done a few things differently, including raising capital. Um, but the fact that we were able to get to the point where we had paying customers and a and a working product um, that was pretty well loved by a lot of people um, was was incredible. Uh, the business itself didn't end up uh, uh, working out uh, as, uh, as as a going concern, um, but it was a tremendous experience and it helped launch my career in in technology. So I really have kind of zero regrets when it when it comes to that. That's really incredible that you know you build a product that somebody really loved. And so my next question is: so you're in sales, you have like the sales mindset, and you lead enterprise sales at Ram. So like, how did you? So for this first venture of yours, so how were you able to convince people to become paying customers? I think what it comes down to, especially with those early customers, is you need to find one pain, 
right? So in any kind of sale, uh, I, I would say technology sales specifically, you're looking for pain that you can help resolve, that your product solves this pain for them and unlocks something. Either it helps them to increase their revenue, to decrease their costs, or to reduce their risk. And so if you can position your product in that way, uh, that it does one of those three things or multiples of those three things, you, you really have that winning formula. Uh, and, and that's really what we were focused on. The first customer that, that Vinformative had was the company that I had been working for as a wine distributor. They became that, that first customer for, for me, uh, really because I knew about this pain or this challenge, uh, that they had. And we could help them reduce cost in a pretty significant way, uh, with this cloud based, uh, product that we built. Yeah, I think it's really interesting how you mentioned that your first company customer was actually a company that you worked for. And because you had an idea about the pain and challenges, that really helped to track that first kind of customer. So my next question is more along the lines of Ramp. So you've been at Ramp for, I guess, a year now. Mm-hmm. And so you lead the enterprise division. So like, how did Ramp get its first 100 enterprise customers? And what did it take to kind of scale up this process? It's a great question. Uh, Ramp started as a company that was really focused on on SMB and mid-market size companies uh, and really very quickly developed product market fit in that area. Uh, This is a huge space when it comes to spend management. Uh, there's more than $115 trillion of spend uh, that's just B2B in a given year. And so there's a huge market to be going after. Uh, and, and entrenched uh, companies that are uh, incumbents in the space that really haven't uh, innovated in, in a very long time. Uh, And so when it came to moving up market at Ramp, uh, when I joined a little over a year ago, what I realized is there's a there's kind of a playbook that I had built from my time uh, working at uh, at Trip Actions uh, and before that, which is you need to build this solid foundation of customers. Uh, so essentially, a NASCAR slide that's in your pitch deck. Who are the customers? Who gives you that credibility that your product is enterprise ready? That means you need to find those early adopters along that adoption curve within that particular segment that you're that you're going after. And we happen to be working with some incredible companies already. Uh, and so leveraging that word of mouth from them, uh, excited customers that that are really uh, receiving uh, immense value uh, from our product and our platform and our software. Uh, they, they're really spreading the gospel when it comes to uh, YRAMP versus any other uh, company in the space, whether they be modern spend management or, or, or the legacy state. Uh, and so we've been able to build atop that foundation and, and grow pretty quickly. That was an extremely interesting insights that you shared. So uh, Ramp is now deemed as one of the buzziest startups in the U.S. So what do you think contributed to this like buzziness of this kind of Ramp startup? Yeah, uh, you know, we're very fortunate uh, to be to be working at a company uh, that has that buzz for a good reason. I think there's always buzz when companies raise a lot of money, and and certainly Ramp has has raised more than a billion dollars, so uh, we're very well capitalized. 
Um, but there's a reason why we've been able to raise as much money as we have uh, in, in the last four years. Um, number one, we, we focus on our customers first. And when you focus on that customer pain, on those customer challenges, uh, and really unlocking value for them, amazing things happen. And the number one value at Ramp is to help our customers save time and money. It just so happens that given the macroeconomic environment right now, saving time and money happens to be in vogue. Uh, companies are really excited to find ways to become more efficient. Uh, and that's allowed us to grow more than 400% in the last year. Uh, and, and of course, to, to raise a significant amount of capital as well. The other thing that's really critical here, and, and, and certainly one of the reasons why customers gravitate toward Ramp, um, besides this value that they're receiving, is that we've built a great product uh, and we continue to invest in our product. Uh, and if you invest in your product and you invest in your people the way that, that Ramp has over the last four years and is continuing to do so, uh, amazing things happen. You really create this flywheel or this win-win-win proposition um, between customer uh, and, 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 and company. Uh, and that's, a, that's an exciting prospect, and it's, it's why we're, we're frankly growing as fast as we are. Yeah, it was extremely interesting to hear like how Ramp has actually succeeded in this market and, you know, against its competitors, how it's been able to raise more than $1 billion, as you mentioned. And that's extremely interesting for like people who are trying to start their own like business and something in the fintech space, maybe to see like a company that has been so successful in the space. And so my next question is more like, can you talk a bit about Ramp's sales flywheel? So Ramp is having this incredible amount of like love and support. And like, so you lead up their enterprise department. So like, what could you say is like the part of their sales flywheel? Yeah, I, I think again, it comes down to um, really that that customers beget customers. So you start with this foundation of finding product customer fit, um, and 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 when you have enough customers in that product customer fit, you really start to develop product market fit. Ramp absolutely has product market fit at this point and, and, and is scaling pretty dramatically uh, when it comes to sales. That sales flywheel starts with that strong foundation. It's also the fact that we have an incredibly efficient team. Uh, our sales team is is incredible. Um, I would say that A-plus talent attracts A-plus talent. A-players want to be around A-players. And so if you really focus on hiring uh, the top talent, um, not just because they've been incredibly successful in the past, but uh, because they have the right attributes and intangibles to be successful, that they hustle, that they're hungry, that they have heart, they've got humility. Uh, when you have amazing talent, uh, you're able to attract more amazing talent. Uh, and so great customers attract great customers, great talent attracts great talent, vocal customers tell their friends at other companies, and they create this viral word of mouth marketing. And you're doing this all in a space that's really ripe for disruption. If you if you walk into an auditorium full of people at a company and you ask by show of hands, who enjoys doing an expense report? How many hands do you think are going to go up? I don't I'm think many hands. Be about, 
zero, right? It'll be it'll be zero hands. And and the reason why is it's tedious, it's manual, it's it's unnecessary given the modern uh, fintech stack that exists. Uh, you can automate away the expense report, and so that's a that's an exciting proposition for for customers. That allows us to have this sales flywheel effect. Uh, and it's it's something that that honestly is is helped to propel our propel our growth. Yeah, I think that's a really good take. And so my next question is more like, how does Ramp attract all this amazing talent? So you mentioned like A plus talent and all that. So like, how are they? Have they been able to attract all these amazing talent in different functions of the company? Like for example, you got into uh, ramp just like last year. So how did that process come about? And like anything you could share on how to become this A talent, A plus talent that companies are looking for? That's a great question. I, I think when it comes to talent, you have to have uh, a wider top of funnel than most companies consider. Uh, certainly, that's the way that I approach uh, attracting talent. I think talent can come in all shapes and sizes. And if you're looking for a cookie cutter approach of someone with a particular background or particular domain uh, experience or expertise, you're going to miss out on, on those potential uh, employees, whether, whether they're on the technical side or on the sales side, who can, who can be more than a, than a 1x or a 2x uh, improvement from a productivity standpoint, you miss out on the 10x talent. And so I think it starts by having a really open mind in terms of what you're looking for and what is non-negotiable. And so for me, as an example, I, I talk about these four H's as the non-negotiables or the intangibles that I'm really focused on. And I think that's how you're able to find this kind of 10x uh, uh, really exponential output improvement uh, when it comes to great, uh, great sellers. Uh, so the four H's for me are, are hunger, hustle heart and humility. And I think when you can find people who, who really exemplify those four traits or those four intangibles, uh, there's amazing upside to be had regardless of where they worked in the past uh, or, or, or what they've done, uh, if they over-index on those four things, uh, I believe that they're going to be successful. Uh, for me, um, my background prior to, to joining Ramp, uh, I had built the enterprise go-to-market at, uh, at a company called Trip Action, so I had some experience in the space. Uh, and I took a little bit of time off uh, after I had left there, uh, got connected uh, through uh, uh, through some recruiting uh, uh, recruiters uh, to uh, to the executive team at at, at Ram, uh, and it was almost too perfect a fit. And and so the more that uh, I chatted with them, uh, the more it made sense that they were moving up market and and really wanted to lean on on my pattern recognition or scar tissue uh, and, and, and expertise in this area. Um, but I would say that it's really about, at least for me and enterprise, kind of 80% playbook and 20% and innovation adaptation, really trying to build the plane as we're flyer, flying it, um, figuring out as we go, um, tinkering with the knobs and, and, and figuring out how we can have this extraordinary result that we're trying to achieve. What have been some of the best examples of hunger, hustle, heart, and humility that you've seen at RAMP during your time 
as an employee over there? Yeah, as an example, um, the first person I hired when when I started at Ramp uh, in his second quarter did something like six hundred percent of his quota. Uh, I mean, just an ungodly amount <laughs> uh, versus his quota. Uh, and how did that happen? It happened because he had a chip on his shoulder. He was hungry. He hustles like no one uh, I've ever seen before. Uh, he will outrun anyone. Uh, he has uh, the heart, um, meaning he does things the right way. Uh, so, you know, morals and ethics is not not an issue. Um, talent is not an issue, but but no one will will outrun him or outheart him. Um, and he's got humility, which I mean by coachability. So he's not above it to think that he's the best ever, especially when, you know, having a great quarter like he did, it's how can I improve every single day? It's how can I improve? What can I do better? And I think when you approach, uh, when you approach life, when you approach sales, when you approach uh, given deals with that kind of growth mindset, uh, amazing things can happen because you get a compounding effect with all of those improvements. And so when you combine those four elements, uh, like I said, I think uh, you, you might look for a faster horse um, when it comes to talent acquisition. Uh, I think this is a way in which you can get a car instead of a faster horse, right? You can really have that, that 10x type uh, exponential improvement. Yeah, I think that was a really good example to just to put into perspective how somebody can be like hungry and they can have all these four H's that you've discussed. So I wanted to wrap up the conversation with a question from Yash. So Yash asks that Ramp is one of the fastest companies to reach 100 million ARR. So what is the typical duration of sales cycle and, at Ramp? And how can you implement faster sales cycles, especially since they are operating in the fintech domain? So any uh, insights or anything you could share on that front? Yeah, I love, I love this question. So uh, Ramp is a company that moves faster than any company I've ever worked for. And I've worked for some pretty fast companies. Um, we are fast when it comes to product, uh, to innovation. We are fast when it comes to sales cycles. I anticipated coming into Ramp that an enterprise sale would take nine or 12 months uh, the way I've seen it happen in the past. And in enterprise, really, it's usually more like a four or five month sales cycle, um, sometimes even faster than that. When you look at our SMB sales or mid-market, they're usually uh, between less than 30 days up to about 90 days in, in I would say, upper mid-market. Um, so there's a very, very fast sales cycle. We also have a product-led growth uh, version of our, of our platform where people can self-sign up. Uh, and, and so there's not even a sales cycle. We, we're, we're just continuing to grow uh, organically as well in, in, in that manner. Um, how do we speed it up? Uh, I think there's a lot of different ways you can speed things up. Um, one thing I will advise against, if uh, if you're talking about you know the company that you're at, shortcuts never work. <laughs> shortcuts uh, are, are are generally something that will uh, provide you a faster path immediately and a longer path ultimately. And so, what I would uh, focus on is really the fundamentals. Um, and, and I know this sounds kind of, uh, kind of crazy when you want to speed up to focus on the fundamentals, but truly uh, the best deals, the deals that move fastest and end up being the best customers, you're focused on building champions, you're focused on qualifying, uh, and you're focused on getting to the economic buyer. 
And if you do those three things, then uh, you're really able to, um, sorry, my, uh, my computer paused here. Uh, can you hear me still? Yeah, I can hear you loud and clear. Okay, sorry, my, my computer fell asleep. Um, if you focus on on those fundamentals, uh, on champion building, on qualifying, on getting to the economic buyer, um, you're able to speed up that sales cycle organically because you're really focused on the right things. You're focused on selling to the right customers. You're, you're focused on selling the right products to the right people. Uh, and you're getting to someone who can make a decision. Uh, and when you can do all of those things and you're aligned in that way, deals tend to move much, much faster. Uh, when you're when you're really focused on or not focused because you're you're selling a wide product to a wide audience uh, where you're not necessarily focused on champions, but but really anyone who will take your call or demo, uh, and they might not have power or influence in an organization, or you yourself are not getting to that economic buyer, you're letting other people sell on your behalf. Uh, it can slow down a sales cycle considerably. So if you really focus on the fundamentals, uh, the sales cycles can can really move uh, quite quickly. Yeah, I absolutely loved your answer to that. And it was an absolute pleasure to host you on the podcast today. So do share like how the audience can get in touch with you, like how they can learn more about Ramp and what you guys are building over there. Yeah, uh, I, I very much appreciate this. I'm fairly active on LinkedIn. Uh, so certainly uh, feel free to uh, to add me or message me on, on LinkedIn. Um, I'm a little less active on other social media, I'll be honest. Uh, I'm pretty busy with uh, with my day job at, at, at Ramp and, and also advising a couple of companies. Um, but please do feel free to DM me or, or add me on LinkedIn. Um, I'm, I'm more than happy to, uh, to, to respond and, and, and start a conversation. Sure. And thanks once again for your time. So yeah, thank you so much for coming on the podcast today. It was an absolute pleasure. Thanks so much. Take care. So if you're listening to this podcast right now, I have an open opportunity to reach this audience. So if you want to reach college students and freshers interested in startups and venture capital and just in terms of the demographics, the age of 18 to 22 is the highest age demographic in India and US are the two largest country demographics of listeners for this podcast. Email me at bizpodruhi at gmail.com. So thank you so much for tuning in to today's episode and hope you've learned something new.